This is the Christian Heritage London podcast from London. It is a great privilege for me to be sitting here with Craig Dyer in Scotland. Indeed. Yeah. Have you, do you come from Scotland, Craig? I am um, Scottish born and bred. Uh, Glasgow? Uh, just south of Glasgow. Uh-huh. Uh, born in Belsill Maternity. Lived in Hamilton most of my life. That area further south for a while, but mostly Hamilton growing up. And then I've been in the city 26 years now in Glasgow. Mm-hmm. What was it that brought you to Glasgow? Well, I had been a pastor for about five and a half years just outside the city in, in Bells Hill and got a call to Harper Church in Glasgow and uh, came there and I was the pastor there full time for 13 years. But uh, we were there 26 years in total until just fairly recently. And we lived closer to the city centre when I was in the pastoral ministry there. And then when I moved to CEM, we moved slightly further out, but still within the greater conurbation of Glasgow. So we're living in Renfrew now, just near close to Glasgow Airport. Right. So you know what it is to be a pastor. You know when a a course, I don't know if people would actually use this, or you you can see that from the perspective of experience. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting that at the moment in London, we don't have a great deal of explosive church growth Mm. But it's interesting that we have had, coming from London in the last 30, 40 years, three courses which happen around, a, around the table. Mm. So you've got the Christianity Explored, Absolutely. you've got the Alpha, you've yes. got the Word one-to-one. Yes. You're just, Brilliant. well, you're sitting down. That's striking, because, of course, early church variables. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sharing life. Yeah. It's so important, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how did you get involved with Christianity Explored? Well, as a pastor, um, I, I was committed to expository Bible teaching. I think the big thing that always excited me, even, even as, a, as a young guy growing up, was the power of the Bible. Um, you know, the Lord really zapped me with his word again and again. Even in my early teens, I just felt this book is dynamite. And so mm. that, that has been the thing, I think, in his kindness. He's really sown that conviction into, me, mm. into my heart and mind. Mm. And, and therefore... When I went into full-time gospel work as a pastor, I, I wanted to try and give my energy and my strength to letting the Bible do the talking. Mm. And, and I wasn't very good at it, but that was, the, that was the aim and objective of my life, is to get people into the Word of God and get the Word of God into them. And therefore, um, we were looking around for something evangelistic that we could use that would, that would have been really modeled like that, something that would have got people into the text. And remarkably, just uh, as a result of a, you know, one of these sidebar conversations, I heard about this guy, Rico Tice. I heard about this new course that was being developed. This would have been 97, 98, something like that. So Rico was already in the, I guess, the final stages of the early development of the, of the series. And uh, I began using it and loved just being able to lead people through the Gospel of Mark. And for them to see as they went, you know, week after week, literally we talk about the Lord Jesus walking off the pages of Scripture <laughs> and just for, for them. And I, my experience uh, really was that how people came was how they stayed. That I, I noticed that as a pastor, I never had to speak to anyone who come to know the Lord on, on Christianity Explored about the importance of the Bible. They got that. They just got it because they, they'd experienced it. Wow. 
I never had to speak to them about the importance of going to a small group. They got that because they'd had that. That had been the birthing room for them, you know. So it was beautiful. So I just, as a practitioner, just as a nuts and bolts guy, uh, boots on the ground, I I just loved this way of doing evangelism, and it fitted with with our big idea, which was let's let the Bible speak for itself. So I I began to using it. Tried to help some other friends to to get into it. We are probably quite early, one of the earlier ones in Scotland. I think we actually began our series before Rico came to do the training here. In fact, interestingly, Ben, we we did our first series on 9-11. So the day the Twin Towers came down was the first night we opened up Mark's Gospel and said, if you could ask God one question, what would it be? And you can imagine the kind of reaction to that mm. on that particular evening. Wow. So, the, so then helping others to get started with it, I eventually bumped into Rico when he came to Glasgow and he kindly invited me to what they called an advocate training thing. They were training up some uh, guys, some business guys, some ministry guys to help with the demand for training across the UK. And I got a bit involved in that. And then kind of strangely, I think I was the last of the Scottish advocates to join, that we had quite a good experienced team in Scotland, and I, I hadn't been really formally part of that. But long story short, I got an invitation to go and do some training with them in the United Arab Emirates with two of the, the team, uh, Sam Seamus and, and Barry Cooper. And when we were there, they began having conversations about, would you consider coming to join the team? And of course, I was thrilled because I, I loved what they were doing. Mm-hmm. I could see the potential. Oh, of that's it. beautiful. Oh, yeah. But but it, it took me almost a year for my wife and I to talk and pray about that, to be convinced that it was the right thing to leave the local church. Not because I didn't love the idea of working for CE, but just because I, I still believe the local church is the thing that God uses. Mm. It's the primary means he will use to reach the nations. That's right. And um, I, I, I kind of felt I needed a clear word from him to let that responsibility go um, and to set that down. And that came over a period of, of about a year. Mm. And then I started in, in uh, 2008. So a long answer to, to that question, but that, that was nearly 14 years ago. Mm. Yeah, That's striking. It's a, it, it takes a lot for a shepherd to say, okay, so I'm going to give the sheep up to someone Very hard. else. And Very so hard thing to do. Yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of persuasion. But as you say, this is a tool. It's, I like some of the work, for example, that Christians Against Poverty does. Yes. Because most churches would say, well, we'd love to do something to help the poor, but who's got time and who's got the yeah. ability to write a course? They do it for you. You just plug it in That's and right. you can do it. That's right. Because it helps churches. And similarly, Absolutely. what you can do is see, all right, so I, I, it wouldn't be great, but someone's already done it. You just, need to, you just need to plug it in. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. that's outstanding. How is it that you yourself first came to understand the gospel? Well, I had the joy of a, a, a Christian home, and uh, just thinking about meeting you today, I was I was looking back on the Lord's kindness to our family. That certainly my uh, grandparents and great grandparents knew the Lord, and he'd been at work down through the years. And I I got to know both my both sets of grandparents, and I knew that they had prayed for me before I was born. <laughs> Uh, for my brother and I and for other members of the family. That's an immense privilege when I think back to that because every, as you know, every generation, you you know, you might get the crooked nose and the buck teeth, but you do not get faith in Christ genetically. This is every time this happens, it's a unique miracle of God at work. And in his grace, uh, so I had that Christian upbringing. Mum and dad knew and loved the Lord. I was taken to church from my earliest days and, and knew about the Lord, knew about the gospel. I was fairly easy going with it to some degree, although I, I would have to say I, I remember distinctly having what we would now call conviction of sin 
when I was about, you know, before, you know, maybe seven, seven and a half, I remember going through a period almost every night saying, Lord, please forgive me. And, and having this sense of being so far short of what I should be and being so unsettled about it, I didn't want to go to sleep. And I would promise the Lord in the morning, I'll, I'll tell somebody about this. And then, of course, the morning came and I never did. I wanted just to go back to the life I had, got through the night, no problem. Strange, wasn't it? But then, first um, of March, 1975, at a, a missionary meeting of all things, um, there was a very persuasive speaker. And that night, um, my brother and I talked to mum and dad going home in the car and dad led us in prayer when we got home and, and Colin and I both trusted the Lord mm. uh, that night. So I knew he'd been drawing me to him over mm. a period. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was very early on. And then, of course, you hit the teen years and you have to work out, well, what is this going to look like? And, yes, and yes. how is this going to go? And the Lord has been faithful. I have not, but he has been faithful. And I'm so thankful for that. Mm. Yeah. We all recognize beauty. It isn't yeah. just believers. You know, yeah. Unbelievers, they Absolutely. all recognize beauty. We all recognize genius. <laughs> That's one of the things which perplexes the unbeliever. Where does this come from? You exactly. know? And, um, and so there are some things which it's like this is, this is across the board, but there are some for whom there is a conviction of sin which you can say, but that, I find that encouraging because it, it implies that I'm out there saying to somebody, you know what, you, you could be saved, and you don't know what God's doing. <laughs> he, might be, he might be keeping them up at night. Absolutely. And I think the great thing is we, we tend to speak to children about, you know, Jesus loves you, which is stunningly true, gloriously true. Um, but for me, even at that early age, it was the wonder that he loved me. Because I, I had a sense that I was wow. rotten to the core. And it turned out to be true, <laughs> uh, <wow. laughs> as I can confirm. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm thankful for both aspects of that. You know, that I, That's I, precious. I had eh? a sense of his, the, the vastness of his love and the depth of my own need of, of rescue. That's precious. That's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, um, and now, Christian Heritage London, of course, we have the massive privilege of frequently taking people through the stories of what this gospel has done in history. Who are people who have inspired you, whether in history or in your own life? My grandfather on my dad's side and my dad himself, they used to always say, reading is the gateway to knowledge. I've, I've not read enough over the years, but I do love to read biography and I do love to be helped and challenged as I see those who have spoken the word of God to us. They are our leaders uh, in history, and, and that's been a joy. Even going back to my student years, I, I remember I, I just loved the, the the dogged determination of someone like Charles Simeon, you know, just mm. battered on in mm. spite of all the rejection and mm. the pain that he went through. Yes. I loved the quirkiness of Spurgeon. Mm. You know, just such a, you know, such humor and strangeness in the way that he handled things at times. <laughs> but it's such a colorful character, you yes. know, and the... I think of the the humility of McShane and oh. his introspection that wasn't um, it wasn't a kind of negative leading us nowhere introspection, but there was just that tremendous humility that mm. the figure of the Lord Jesus was so real to him. Yes, I, I love that. I, I was thinking again yesterday morning. I was preaching at a little uh, Brethren Church down the Clyde, and we sang a hymn to the tune of Rutherford, and it reminded me of Samuel Rutherford. And how he added, I don't know if you know this story, but he, you probably will, but he added, he, he had served for about nine years in Anworth, which is in the middle of nowhere in Galloway, in southwest Scotland, as a pastor. 
and you could barely find the place on a map. It's so small for such a remarkable man of God and such a great Bible teacher. And in that time, lost two children. Eventually his wife died. His mum who'd come to live with him, she died. So it was a brutal period of suffering. I just find it inspiring, just that steady, faithful, ongoing service to the Lord in a very unpromising, unspectacular arena. Mm. And he, he wrote a little verse that goes to that hymn, O Christ, he is the fountain. See, he, he added a verse. Uh, and if some soul from Anwith meet me at God's right hand, my heaven will be two heavens in Emmanuel's land. And wow. when, I, when I think about that, I think not, he, he knew the investment he was making, pouring out his life. It wasn't that he thought something vast was going to happen in eternity. Mm. He was thinking, even if there's one soul who comes mm. to know Christ here. Mm. So I, I just found as a, as a plodder, as a pastor, as an ordinary Joe, down through the years, these guys, with their determination, with the grit, with the trusting the Lord in spite of all the ups and downs of life, I found them a massive encouragement, yes. and a, great, a great stabilizer. Mm. You know, they were, they were not impressive necessarily mm. in their day. Mm. We, we look back now and, and we revere them, and rightly so. Mm. Uh, but some of them at the time were, were, were not terribly well known. Yes. And that didn't matter because yeah. they knew that they were, they were doing a work that God well, had given them. Well, this is yeah. in eternity. It's a difference. It's going to be a shining. They're going to be shining as yeah. stars. Yes. But that is a precious thing. There's the, the, the funny thing for our moment is at the moment there's a thing yes. called Twitter. Yes. And uh, you know it, who knows how long it'll last. You know people say, of course, it's changing the world, but God could say, I had enough of Twitter. Yeah. But there are, there are some people who run accounts in the name of John Flavel. Yes. My goodness, yes. the consistency, and 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 Rutherford. As yes, well, yes, and and, he, and I actually have the privilege of running a couple of these in the names of a couple of blokes from church history. But the the, the delight is to dig in. And now this is the point I want to make here: is there are people who are just in a dark place, and they're just in a dark place. Now that in itself isn't a virtue. No, there is. On the other hand, as you're saying, they are they are finding Christ while they're in that dark place. Now that's encouraging. That's encouraging, that's and it provokes. It stimulates. So with McShane, you're describing that kind of, there's maybe a ten, tendency towards introspection. Yes. But then you read him, and it's as though he's seen it. And he says, for every one look at yourself, there should be Absolutely. ten at Christ. Absolutely. And you think, this is oh, precious, precious. And you read the same with good old, good old um, Bonar, and the yes. Andrew Bonar diaries. Just golden, golden and, and provocative. And so, it's a, I have to read, for example, I have to read the Whitfield sermons yes. regularly, because I run the Whitfield that's a thing. It comes across that he was searching for Christ always in the text, yes. because he won't preach the same thing all the time. No. And he'll preach. He'll preach. Have you seen? Have, have you seen him? And what he's talking about is stuff which you're thinking, but that's so basic yes. and so perfect. <laughs> oh, but it, but it, it's basic, but it is so utterly indispensable. It's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. Yeah. 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 yeah, he, you know, old uh, Whitfield. He said, "When I die, I want you to put on the on the gravestone. Here lies George Whitfield. What sort of a man he was will be seen at the last day. Amazing. He had one foot in eternity. Absolutely. This is Live like that. Now you, you talked about the quirkiness of Spurgeon. Have you got any particular? Well, I think how he was asked to interview a potential missionary candidate and arrange for this guy. I think coming from Northampton back in the day." to be at Spurgeon's office at nine in the morning. So it meant the guy had to travel all night, 
brought him in. It was a terrible day. Poor chap arrived soaking wet, having travelled all night. Spurgeon then sat him down and asked and said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you some intellectual questions to begin with. Can you spell cat? And the poor chap spells cat. And then Spurgeon says, OK, let's try this. Can you spell mat? And the fellow spells it out. And, and eventually what happens is the guy loses his rag and he goes up like a balloon. <laughs> and Spurgeon says, my dear brother, thank you for coming. You're not the stuff we need in the mission field. <laughs> Oh my word, what a story. You know, on other occasions, he, he, he spilled soup down someone's lap who was claiming that they had reached sinless perfection. Uh-huh. You know, or was it water? I can't remember. Yeah. I don't know. But, you know, that kind of, I, I mean, I don't read it for inspiration. I don't think that's the way I'll behave. <laughs> but I just, every now and again, the quirkiness, the absurd quirkiness uh-huh. of the guy was just um, so fascinating to read. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that in his time, other people would refer to him and his humor. Yes. Because we read it now and think, that's hilarious. But at his time, if you read John Patton, he says, of course, the Lord has given Mr. Spurgeon Lord. a great humor. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really approve of it, Lord. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he acknowledges it's for the Lord, but it's, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. He was, um, I, I heard that he was, uh, he, was, he was asking the deacons, please, please, may we open some of the windows that's higher right. up. Because it's getting so hot and they, that nothing would be done. And then it was found that some of the windows had been smashed. Mrs. Spurgeon wants to know who's done it. And of course, they found out in the end it was he who had done he it. He said it was my friend, Mr. Kane. Is that what he said? And, he's, and he'd gone and thrown his cane through the window. Ah. <laughs> it was my friend, Mr. Kane. Wow. Oh, bless him. Remarkable. So, and so you, what you, what's up with you now? What's new? What's new? So uh, still working away with Christianity Explored uh, Ministries and encouraged about that. We um, have the, you know, it's a remarkable thing, brother, because it's just Mark's gospel and it's, it's not really our material. We're just pointing to the Lord Jesus, crossed all the normal uh, social cultural barriers that would be f- so difficult to cross. So my sense of humour doesn't travel very far. Sometimes it doesn't even travel in our house. But I, we find that in 130 countries around the world, people are picking up, opening Mark's gospel, looking at it, as you would expect from any passage of God's word. And and so that that's an immense joy. We're we're doing our best. We've got this new hope explored. It's just come out mm. just now. Mm. Three sessions, uh, cracking open the whole issue of hope. Mm. And how, how the Lord enables us to understand a hope and a peace and a purpose for life, which are the key things that people are looking for. So that's the new one that we've got on the go. Mm. We're constantly trying to improve the materials mm. um, and learn all we can from the practitioners around the world. And we're so grateful for their partnership. Mm. Well, that's a, a strategic word for the moment we're living in. Absolutely. Hope. Absolutely. That's a that's a timely word, hey? Yeah. And straight out of Paul, straight out of the New Testament, straight oh, out of the absolutely. Bible, we've got something to say. Set your hope fully on the grace to come. Yeah. yeah absolutely. My brother's uh, one of the elders in a church in um, Ipswich, and the church is called Hope Church. And uh, outside, they've got this, they've bought a cinema. It looks Amazing. incredible. Yeah. And they've named the cinema the Hope Center. You think, now that is the way to do That's it, great. isn't it? In the middle of a town center, the Hope Center. We'd be envious to... of that. That's a great place for people to go. Absolutely. There you go. It's a real, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a great word for our time. Hope explored. Yeah. It's, I almost feel like, I think that's something you could invite someone to without it feeling like, um, it's not like, I don't know if you're old as me, but you know, the Cliff Richard kind of yeah. association with things which might look not so cool. That's right. Hope explore. Do you want to explore hope? Yeah, and I think, I think it helps greatly that 
at the beginning of that conversation, both the believer and the unbeliever want the same thing. Right. So we're not, we're not in different worlds at that that's, point. That's true. We, we actually both want a life driven by hope. We, we despair when there's hopelessness. Yes. And having just come through the, the, the pandemic and so on, I think there's, there's been a lot of that and a longing yes. for hope. Yes. And, and so, you know, in the Lord's kindness, it seems to be a good time. It's only a three-session series, mm-hmm. so it's very short. But it's an opportunity to begin conversations, to get people into Luke's gospel in this case, mm-hmm. and just see three events in the life of the Lord Jesus that show who he is and, and the, the power of his word, God willing, being unleashed in their life. So we just we want to hear what they think about hope. What do they believe about hope? What do they hope in? Mm-hmm. Have that conversation and then say, well, listen, let's, let's now listen to something that's come to us from beyond this world about hope mm-hmm. and about peace and about purpose. So do pray for that. Oh, that's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. I like that. You remember your conversion. Yeah. You have gone into pastoral ministry. Now you're involved in an international strategic ministry. This may sound like I'm um, this may sound like I'm putting you on a pedestal, but it's a simple question. Mm. What advice would you give to people listening to this? Oh, that's a great question. Uh I think the most fundamental thing that I would say from from my life and experience has been to settle Two things in your mind. I think to settle your convictions about the nature of God's word. Mm. And if you can see that by the power of the Holy Spirit, this is how God is going to speak, then give your energy to being mastered by it and give your energy to being able to explain it clearly and lovingly and winsomely and patiently and helpfully as you can. I I think that is the great need in one-to-one conversations, over the coffee table, at the water cooler at lunch, um, as well as on Sunday morning in front of the the Lord's people. Everything needs to flow from our understanding of what God is doing in his word by the power Mm. of the Holy Spirit. And related to that, the second big thing I've learned, and this is where I would talk more about my own weaknesses over the years, is that you've you've got to remember the treasure we have in Christ mm, personally. Mm, mm. Uh, I mean, as a as a younger pastor, I was I guess I was just so overwhelmed by the demand of preaching two or three times to the same group every week, which is an immense privilege, and I loved it, but it was hugely demanding. And, you know, meeting with people, doing hospital visits, funerals, everything, just as a solo pastor. The great danger was that I lost my own passionate love for the Savior and excitement in him and, huh. and, and marveling at who he is and what he's done. And it's so easy to swap out our service for him yeah. with what he's done for us. Mm. Uh, just last week, talking about McShane, we, we used the McShane reading plan and like, Millions of others, I guess, we were reading in Matthew that beautiful verse where Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found treasure in a field. He he hid it again. Mm. He went with joy and sold everything he had and then went and bought the field. And I just, I would say to people today, my, my, my encouragement would be this, and, it's, and I encourage myself on this daily, never forget the joy of discovering that treasure. Hmm. Never forget. Yes. You know, no matter what you have to sell to buy the field, so to speak, no matter what you face in this world, there is eternal treasure there in the Lord Jesus. Mm. And I, I want my own heart to be fixated on him. Whatever I do, however I serve him, I want that to be the overflow of that of that sense of being 
He can forgive me afresh today. He loves me afresh today. He'll speak to me afresh today. Mm. His word is the lamp to my feet and the light to my path. And so I think these two things are would, would be my great encouragement mm. as they are to myself. Fix our minds, work out what we believe about the word of God and see it for what it truly is and fly everything off that. And then in terms of our own hearts, never forget the treasure we have in Christ. Mm and uh, constantly live off the, the wonder of his grace. That's powerful. That's powerful. I was talking to uh, Dustin Benj, and he yes. said this thing of, and he's, I didn't realize when I spoke with him that he had published or he had edited Thomas Watson's book on meditation yeah. and this whole idea that, and I've noticed, I've started to notice since Dustin said it, that these, many of these guys said, look, if you just read it and it just affects you there and then and then you carry on your life. Yeah. You know, you, if you were reading the word of God and you sensed this really applies to me, yes. hold it. Yeah. Dustin said, write it out on a card. Come back Absolutely. to it later in the day. Absolutely. And then when challenges pop up during the day, it's very likely that that was for then. Or at least exactly. a, you have an opportunity to, to apply it. You don't want to get superstitious about it so much as to say, God speaks to us in his yes, word. He does. And if we're reading it and we're just going away saying, felt warm, off I go. Yeah. It's, no, no, no. It's remarkable. I mean, we, we honestly don't know how, how this all happens, but there is something about the, the effort we make to carve out the time to sit and to say, now look, Lord, I'm going to read an ancient book here, and I'm going to expect you from this book, by the power of your spirit, to direct me my life, either consciously or unconsciously. So, so often I will not emerge with a clear, oh, that's how I need to do it today. Often that doesn't happen. But somehow in God's grace, he's changing a character. He's conforming us more to the Lord Jesus. He's giving us a joy that's unassailable in spite of what else, what else is going on. And I think he, he achieves for his glory things in our lives arising from his word that, that are just astounding and unachievable otherwise. Oh, bless God. That's wonderful. That's a precious way to end. Well, thank you so much for your time. An absolute joy. Craig, bless your heart and uh, hope explored. For more episodes of the Christian Heritage London podcast and for information on Christian Heritage London events, tours and walks, please go to christianheritagelondon.org. 